Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Welcome to church this morning. We're happy you're here. Anybody thankful that uh, we have a little rain this week? It was getting pretty dry. It's uh, symbolic even of the Holy Spirit. When He rains upon your life, He refreshes and brings life back. We got a little more maybe than we wanted, but thank God that it's not dry. Well, last week was um, an amazing weekend we had together as uh, several experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit for the first time. That's very exciting. And there was many that came forward to be refreshed and anointed and touched by the power of God. And this morning, I just want to continue on. Uh, as we shared last week on what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, this morning I want to talk about what it looks like uh, when spiritual gifts get activated in our life. Anyone thankful for spiritual gifts, that God gives us gifts so that we can be a radiant bride for Christ, that we can be clothed with power. Luke 24, 49 speaks of being clothed with power. And God's heart for you in every season of your life is that you are clothed with the power from on high, just as you see in scripture there. And so my heart this morning is we uh, not get into the specifics of the spiritual gifts, but we look at what it looks like for them to be activated in our life and the posture and the position we're to walk in and we're to have this morning. You guys ready for the word of God this morning? You ready to receive what God has to say? Well, I'm excited and I'm so thankful for what he's doing in our church and I'm thankful for what he's doing in your life and just blessed to be able to stand here and share with you this morning. I never take it for granted. Every time we get to come together, every time we get to open God's word, he can do miracles. We believe we serve a supernatural God. And when you get the word of God in you, things can begin to change and his Holy Spirit shifts things into motion into your life. I love this, is when it comes to spiritual gifts, I wrote this down, I said, it's important to keep in mind that using the gifts that God gives us is not a, is not a matter of mastering a skill, since the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't function by human power, but by the Holy Spirit's operation through us. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's as though we're just the faucet, and the Spirit of God is the, is the reservoir or the stream, and all we do is twist the knob, and then the, the river flows through us. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not something we can turn on and turn off, but we simply just allow ourselves to be an open faucet for the Spirit of God to flow through us. When the Spirit of God flows through you, as we've said throughout this series, it's as though it's a controlled burn. It's, not, it's something that is much more normal than you might think. It's something that can flow into your marriage, your children, how you parent, every area of your life. This river wants to flow. Anybody experience the river of how the Holy Spirit has flowed through your life? And I pray that wherever season you find yourself this morning, that you would get a refreshing or that you would just lean in a little bit and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to activate the spiritual gifts in your life. I love it because they're gifts. And so when they're gifts, uh, we're going to see in a second that we can go and ask God the Father for these gifts in our life. And he wants to give us these gifts. He's a good father, as we sang this morning. So I want to look at just several points quickly this morning of this posture of, of how these gifts are to be activated in our lives. 
Sarah, if you put up our scripture in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I just want to read to you this morning of what the gifts are that we see specifically in this passage of scripture. I'm going to read through them pretty quick. Uh, as we're reading, there's space in our church app. You can take notes this morning, jot down thoughts. The Holy Spirit could speak to you. Uh, so you want to make sure you write that down and don't forget it. Here's what we see the gifts are in 1 Corinthians, Paul talking. He says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. So we don't want to be ignorant about the gifts. He says, you know that when you were pagans or Gentiles in other translations, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but of the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but of the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So it's the common good that comes through when the spiritual gifts are activated. It says, to, to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Anybody use some wisdom this morning to activate some wisdom in your life? To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Verse 10, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. So we see miracles, prophetic, moving in the prophetic. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and all of the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Verse 12, or I believe verse 11 was it there. So we see a list of what these spiritual gifts are and how God desires them to be operating in our life. Spiritual gifts just aren't for the, the, the preacher or the pastor in the pulpit. It is for everyone that these gifts be activated in our life, that we believe for miracles, that we step out in obedient faith, that we can prophesy to our situations and to our circumstances. So number one, if you're taking notes, in order to activate the spiritual gifts, and we hit on this last week in depth, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. In order to have the gifts, you have to be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit first. And my heart and my prayer is, is as we begin to see the Holy Spirit move and do, and as He awakens things within us, is that our generation would know the supernatural power of God, and that every generation would know it. But especially, what is, what is God wanting to do next? What is He wanting to do now? And that we would lean into that. And when we lean into it and we're filled with Him, then the gifts begin to be activated. I love this, and you can write this down, is whatever is received of the Holy Spirit is according to the capacity of the receiver. So every time you step into church, every time you get in the Word, you want to ask the Holy Spirit to clean your slate so that you can be filled up. When you read in the book of Acts, two common verbs you always see is filled and come. So that's a great prayer. You read a lot of the early church prayers. Many of the prayers have those verbs in it where it's come Holy Spirit and fill me Holy Spirit. And so those should be prayers when you wake up and you begin to pray and you uh, begin your day, say Holy Spirit fill me and Holy Spirit come into my life and activate what I need today. You know, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well, 
You might not see them operating every single time in your life. As we said in the book of Acts, there's only 30 miracles recorded. So it's not hundreds and hundreds of miracles in the book of Acts we see recorded, which you would think there would be, and I'm sure there was, but for a specific purpose, we only read about 30. And so in our, in our world, in our lives, we would love every church service, miracles would happen, healings would happen. When someone's sick in your family, you would lay hands on them and they would be healed. But the Holy Spirit kind of gave me this illustration. We were uh, at a youth conference a couple weeks ago and one of our teenagers, believe it or not, had forgot their toothbrush. And we were not going to allow him, especially because he was in my room, to have dirty teeth for four days. And so what did we tell him to do? Go down to the lobby. They usually have those little free one-time toothbrushes. And so he went down to the lobby, and he got that little toothbrush. And what they will tell you, and you know, because you're not supposed to keep these toothbrushes for more than a couple days, right? The toothbrushes that you and I have can last anywhere from three to six months. But it's almost like that. I just kind of got this uh, illustration as we were having this talk of toothbrushes is many times it's as though when you need it, the Holy Spirit will give it to you. And it might just be for one time, and you might not see it activated in your life to another season. But many times when you begin to move, as we've said before, the gifts of the Spirit are motion activated. When you're walking in the heart of God, when you're moving and trusting Him, right when you need it, the Holy Spirit will flow through you, and you could see a healing. You could see you operate in faith. You could see you stand in faith for someone and prophesy a a word of encouragement to them. So when you need it, many times it's as though it might only be one time. It might not be like the toothbrush you use every day and you see it moving. But if you're having the right heart and filling yourself at that moment, as I've seen in my life, it's motion activated. You're believing God, even if you don't know, because the outcome isn't up to you and I. When we lay hands on someone and believe for healing, the outcome, outcome is not up to us. It's up to God. We're going to step in faith each and every time. But if it's God's will to heal right there, we're going to be an available vessel to believe and stand in faith. So it's being filled with the Holy Spirit. I love what Galatians 5.25 says. It says, since we live by the Spirit. Anybody live by the Spirit this morning? Say amen. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if we live by the Spirit, we continually walk and we stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Our second point is, number one, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two is staying close to Jesus, simple but so needed in our lives. When the the spiritual gifts are activated in our life, it's this. The more united we are to Jesus, the more freely he is able to work through us. Anybody want Jesus to be able to freely work through you? We don't want to be blocking him and stiffing him and not giving him complete access in our lives. We want to stay close to Jesus. Acts 4.13, we see uh, what God could do by men who stayed close to Jesus and women who stayed close to Jesus. It says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men But they were astonished and they took note that these men had what? Had been with Jesus. So because these men had been with Jesus, they were astonished. These were just normal, ordinary, run-of-the-mill guys, but were operating in the power of God. Why? Not because of anything special or any kind of schooling or training they had, but it's because they had been close to Jesus. I'm telling you, when you stay close to Jesus, 
You might feel that I don't know enough of the word of God. I don't know. I'm not confident enough to pray for someone. I'm not confident enough to confront something. But when you're close to Jesus, his power will flow through you and people will be astonished by him working through you. That's my heart and my prayer that as I stay close to Jesus, it would be evident. And I pray it's your heart too that when you're close to Jesus, those around you will see it and will be astonished. That's what happens when we stay close to Jesus. It is being with Jesus in the intimacy of a personal relationship that allows us to be instruments of his love and his power. See, it's just as you saw Seth playing the guitar this morning. It's as though God wants us to be the instrument and he wants that sound to come out of us. He uh, wants to be the one playing us and we're the instrument. And so you have to allow God to begin to play you and allow that melody and allow that remedy to come out of your life. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Commentary will say that it's we who work out our own salvation while it is God who works in us to do his will. So as you're working out your salvation, you're being faithful to your word, you're faithful in church, you're faithful to serve God, you're keeping anger behind you, and you're walking in joy. As you're faithful to that, guess what? God is working in you to fulfill his will through your life. The biggest question that many of us ask is, what is it that God wants me to do? Am I in the right place? Am I where God wants me? Well, when you're close to Jesus, you're going to have the assurance that you're in the right place, you're around the right people, and you're in the right season. So being close to Jesus is key to having this activation of his Holy Spirit in your life. Number three is this, is it's to get God's heart for the lost and broken. For the spiritual gifts to really come alive, again, as we talked about early on, knowing the person of the Holy Spirit is he empowers us for evangelization, right? The heart of, of the Holy Spirit is to evangelize Jesus, to speak of Jesus, to talk of Jesus. And so we want to make sure that we're a church that has the heart of God for lost and broken people. That we're not just a church that is a country club that enjoys great worship and good music and great coffee. All those are great things. But the mission of the church is not for us just to come together and leave. Our mission is to pursue what Jesus was passionate about, and that's lost and broken people. See, many times when we think of lost people, we might think of bad people. But not all lost people are bad people. They're broken. They're hurting. They need healing. And you and I, when we're clothed with power, we're not a... See, we don't want to be a weary widow, as I said. We want to be a radiant bride of Christ. When the spiritual gifts are in our life, we radiate, we glow, and we can be confident that healing can come through us to bless and to go after those that are hurting and broken. We want to be that instrument this morning. I love this. Jesus says it so clearly. His mission is summed up as this. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of his church. You know, I know very recent what it means to be excited when something was lost and now it is found. Uh, when we were at my cousin Haley's uh, 21 birthday party, 
We were having a great time. Family, we stayed out late. We were uh, playing a great game of mafia. It was a great time. The Cusicks and Robinsons, when we get together, it's always fun. As we were there, I had taken my wallet and keys out. I had left, got in the truck. Anyone ever done this? And you're like, start feeling around. You're like, where the heck is my wallet? So I, didn't, I had misplaced my wallet. I go running into the house. I try to find where it's at. I ask my Aunt Teresa. She starts going and trying to think, okay, where, where, where did Bree sign the card? And going around, looking around. Bree's out in the truck, pregnant, looking through the truck to try to find this wallet. Well, long story short, we end up leaving the house without finding this wallet. And there's just, whenever your wallet is gone, thank God there was only $4 in it, so it was all plastics. But who wants to go through the, the pain of canceling a bunch of cards and stuff? Um, so on the way home, we're praying, and uh, we're texting Teresa late that night. We couldn't find it. If you could keep looking, we're going to be praying. And she's uh, getting an early text that she's stripping the house apart and ruining the cushions in the morning trying to find this wallet. She's still looking for it in her mind. And so she's stressed out, I'm stressed out, but what I began to do, you know, because the Holy Spirit cares, I just began to say, you know what, I'm not going to believe this thing's gone, Teresa was not going to believe this thing's gone, I'm going to begin to pray and believe we're going to find this stinking wallet. Right, it'll be found by somebody. (laughs) And so the next morning we get a text, and it was from my sister-in-law, Becca, saying, oh, hey. I went to open a wallet this morning, and I didn't see my husband's face, but I saw your face on on the ID. It looked like uh, Cole's wallet, so I had grabbed it, thinking it was his. It it was a crazy end to a story, but let me tell you, the, the amount of relief and joy that burst up in me was amazing. And Teresa got to clean her house in the process, so she was blessed too. But just the joy, what I wanted to say out of that is when you find something that is lost, that is the heart of Jesus. When He's like me. When you find, okay, my wallet is found, you jump for joy, you are excited. God's heart is that when the lost are found, there is joy, and he takes great pleasure, and he wants us to play a part in that. That this, his mission is our mission as well. So when we get God's heart for the lost and for the broken, you will begin to see the Holy Spirit move through you because you are in the right channel, you are in the right vein, and that's why he gives us the gifts to go after those that are lost and broken. And it's not just those that you don't know, it's not just your neighbors, it's being able to to speak the right wisdom to your kids when they mess up. Or it's being able to have wisdom when you and your spouse disagree. These are the the, the fine-tuning of the Holy Spirit. He comes into every part of your life. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 12, 15. He says, So I will very gladly spend for you everything. I have and expend myself as well. And so we see that Paul is expending himself for the church. I don't know about you, But with your kids, your work, your job, there's times you find yourself expending yourself. You're giving more than you think you can or you're running on empty and you just keep giving because it's either demanded of you and you have to or you're pursuing it because you know the outcome you want to see. Well, many times when you're serving God, you find yourself like Paul does. Commentary even says that this is the historic view of a good shepherd is that 
when you're giving and serving and loving, you feel like you're on empty on the time, but there is a power behind you that's empowering you not to feel like you're empty and feel like you're on, on, your tank is empty all the time. And so when you're activated in the Holy Spirit, you might feel like Paul, who was shipwrecked, who was beaten, who was bruised, who probably knows what it means to really count the cost and experience suffering and persecution. He expended himself for the gospel, but it's because he had the Holy Spirit activated in his life. Spiritual gifts were activated. And the same is for you when you're close with Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have his heart, you can find yourself expending yourself, but replenished at the same time. It's amazing how God works. And I've experienced, I know many of you have experienced that in your life. So that's his heart. Number four is we ask, we seek, and we knock. We see in Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11, it says it very clearly. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You just got to ask yourself, when's the last time you've got before the Holy Spirit and you just asked him? You've sought him. You've knocked. You've went in pursuit of him. And he goes on to say in verse 9 that which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how, to, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, hear this, give good gifts to those who ask him? This is the heart of your Father. He wants to give you these good gifts. All we have to do is ask him, we seek him, and we knock him. Commentary will break it down like this. It says, we ask in prayer, we seek by learning God's truth, and we knock by doing God's will. I think that's a great formula for seeing more of his presence in our life. We ask in prayer, we seek by learning God's truth, and we knock by doing the will of God. Luke eleven thirteen, 13, uh, the same uh, parable is spoken of here but it gives a different twist as it closes. It says this, it says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, hear this right here, will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when you ask, seek, and knock, the context is of more of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians twelve thirty one says this, it says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, so it's saying, desire these gifts. And I love it because as it closes down in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, then it goes into the love chapter. So it's setting it up that the greatest gift you honestly can desire in your life is love and to be able to love, be loved by him and love as he desires us to love. There's a, a great quote by a saint by the name of St. Teresa of Avila. She said this, she said, you pay God a compliment by asking great things of him. So when you get before God and you ask great things of him, you're paying God a compliment. I believe the reason we don't see a lot is because we're just content. When we get into a pinch, there's many avenues we can run to. We ask the government, we ask our family, we ask our doctor, we ask all these other people before we ever ask God. And we don't want to be a church that just asks all these other and gets our fill from everything, but we go to God first because a heart that's dependent on him, 
a heart that says, come to me, fill me, that's where you experience God's heart. And he says, ask me, seek me, knock me. Don't be content where you're at. Press in. There's more I want to do in your life. John 14, 12 through 14 says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. This is a promise for you. He says, and they will do even greater things. Everyone say greater things. He wants to do greater things through you. He says, they will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask anything in my name and I will do it. God loves to be asked. He's not like our parents who say, stop asking. He says, keep asking me. Number five is we have to take steps of faith. I heard it said before a preacher said it. He said, faith is usually spelt R-I-S-K. When you live a life of faith, you're living a life of risk. You're willing to step out. The apostles in Luke 17, 5 said, um, as they were asking Jesus, increase our faith. We, don't have, we feel we don't have enough faith. Please increase our faith. And as you read that account, Jesus didn't increase their faith, but he, he told them that to act on whatever faith they had. He didn't increase it right away. He said, take the faith that you have, and that's where we see if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains, you can do all these amazing things. He says, as you begin to walk, as you begin to put off fear, which is false expectations appearing real, as you begin to move past that, Guess what? As you begin to walk, your faith is going to increase. As you begin to walk out of your comfort zone, as you begin to trust me in the tough waters, your faith is going to be increased. It's getting out of our comfort zone. It's taking risk. God's a God who works through our mistakes. Anybody ever made mistakes, but you've seen his grace come and restore you and refresh you? He's not afraid of the mistakes that we might make when trusting God. A life of faith is a life of risk, and we can't be afraid to step out and risk it to get the biscuit, as it said. John 2, 5 says, or excuse me, the number six as we keep moving forward is to do whatever he tells you. John 2, 5 says, in the account of the first miracle, the wedding of Cana, this is uh, Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus, as uh, the wine had ran out at the wedding. This is what uh, Mother Mary had said to the apostles he said, in speaking for Jesus. She said, do whatever he tells you. And what's amazing is you study that miracle and as you study that saying, it's so powerful. That's, I didn't know this and maybe you did, but I didn't. But this was the last time we actually hear the words of Mary. The last time we see her really ever speak in the gospels is right here. And so this is really her last words to Jesus or that we see in the Gospels. And I believe this is her last words to you and I today. Is when we're wanting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to be willing to do whatever he tells us. We have to be willing as we're walking in faith to be radically obedient to whatever he tells us to do. I love it because many of the miracles you see are out of the ordinary that Jesus would do. It wouldn't make sense to the human mind. In Luke 6, verse 10, you can go and read this miracle, but Jesus told a man with a withered hand, as he's looking at him, he said, stretch out your hand. And then it says the hand was healed. 
Now, I can tell you that man, all the way up, however long his hand was withered, I can tell you he wanted to stretch out his hand. Many people said, just, you know, stretch your hand out, or the doctors would help him try to stretch his hand. And here comes Jesus saying, stretch out your hand. I'm sure he's like, okay, here's another doctor, here's another man who thinks he can help me. But Jesus spoke words of faith. And so when the man heard Jesus, I can tell you he probably heard something a little deeper that maybe I should trust him. I've heard this Jesus who can do miracles, so I'm going to stretch out my hand. And he stretched out his hand, and the scripture says that he was healed. When we're following the Holy Spirit, we have to do whatever he tells us, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it goes against what we think we know. See, because when we're in the school of the Holy Spirit, we're willing to follow him wherever he takes us, whatever he says. He usually calls us, again, when we have the heart of God, it's for evangelization. He might put us in a place where you might have a a child or a family member that's far from God. He might want to use you to bring them back in because his heart is to seek and save that which was lost. You know, this morning, we don't want to be Christians that just say, I wish all the time. I wish I had more of God. I wish I had more of the Holy Spirit. I wish I was happier. I wish my life would change. You know, when you really look up what the definition of wish is, it's this. It's to want something that probably will not happen. That's what a wish means. It's to want or desire something that probably will not happen. You can go on Webster and read it. I'm like, I never thought that was what a wish was. I thought it was something magical that might happen in my life. But the stark reality is when we just wish all the time, I heard a a preacher say that uh, we gotta get the wishbone out, out of us and put a backbone in us. That when we're full of the Holy Spirit, he just takes the wishbone out, he puts a backbone in us, and then he empowers us for the everyday, the practicality of life to begin to walk filled with the Holy Spirit, having wisdom, knowledge, and understanding how to handle all the situations from our jobs to everything we put our hands to. And we begin to see God use us. And we begin to see, because as we said several weeks ago, when Jesus was baptized, the next passage of scripture and the next account of his life, he was led into the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're walking in his power, you're trusting him day in and day out, it's not the absence of temptation, but you're insulated to be able to walk through it and not allow it to beat you down and to keep you down. See, because a righteous man, what does it say? It says he falls down seven, he gets up eight. It doesn't say that a righteous man never falls. What makes a righteous man is he gets back up. That's you and I this morning when we're empowered by grace and empowered by the Holy Spirit is when we fall, we get back up. That's what sets us apart because our failure is not final in our life. In the grace of God, when we're operating in these things and the spiritual gifts begin to get activated, you get a confidence. There's a seal upon your life. You see that, man, I'm not stuck in this life, that there's hope. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have hope. Anybody have hope in your life because of the Holy Spirit this morning? He fills you with hope. He fills you with peace. He fills you with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, I just want you to bow your head. I just want you to go before the Holy Spirit. I want us all to go before him together. And I just want you to whisper to him. Just say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Fill my life right now. 
Your word says to ask and to seek and to knock. So I'm asking in prayer. I'm seeking through your truth. And I'm knocking as I pursue you this morning. God, I pray for this church. I pray for your people right now. That wherever they're at, whatever season they're in, whatever regret that's plaguing them, whatever is keeping them bound, whatever is keeping them stuck, what's blocking a breakthrough in their life, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill us, that we would begin to step out. We would use our words to speak in faith to our situation, and we would begin to have the backbone of the Holy Spirit as the 70 were sent out after the stoning of Stephen. It says that the hand of God was with them, not speaking to the apostles, but speaking to those, the laity, the everyday man that was sent out. God, I thank you that that same promise is for us, that the hand of God is with us and it's manifest through the Holy Spirit. We want more of your spirit in our lives. Our capacity, let it not be full, but let it be so empty so that you can come and fill us with yourself. You never leave us empty and you never leave us dry. As you fill us, Holy Spirit, let us then be a faucet. Let it flow through us and touch every part and every area of our life. Father, we are expectant that you want to heal our bodies. You want to use our hands to heal others. Just as Ananias laid hands on Saul and said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you're our high priest. Lay hands on us right now and fill us with the Holy Spirit. We want more of you and we want your gifts in whatever capacity that looks like to be activated in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Can we just put our hands together and thank the Holy Spirit this morning?